0: Welcome to the Explorer Poet podcast, an exploration of the blurry line separating our physical world from our abstract realities. You talk about something called the soul's high adventure. Man, is Born with a certain functioning. A
1: kind of house of meaning that we dwell in. A clandestine land found underneath your floorboards. These represent a common human inheritance. The common vocabulary of rituals and symbols. let you know where you are. Such and such a hero
0: has done so and so, and that is your model. What am I going to do, quit? That's not an option. You got to keep on keeping on. Life's a garden, dig it? You make it work for you. You never give up. Follow your bliss. I mean, find where it is and don't be afraid to to follow it. Conversations and stories, myths and reality, science and the gods we worship, the esoteric and the everyday. Come explore with me. Hi. Before we get into this conversation, I want to let you know about something I've been working on for a while and which is now available for free on my website. It's a piece called Myth for Modern Men, A Letter to My Son. Again, you can download this for free on my website, explorerpoet.com. I wrote this letter to provide a guide which my son can reference during his own individuation quest, kind of like a map for growing up, maturing, and finding his way in this chaotic world. Today, perhaps more than ever, the world needs men who are balanced, aware, emotionally intelligent, and driven to become whole individuals who can contribute to families, communities, and society in a healthy way. Rather than encourage the process of self-discovery, modern institutions often force men into compliance or predetermined roles. Society seldom encourages young men to explore their values nor think critically, and they don't teach necessary truths about the self, myth, psychology, emotions, fulfillment, education, money, careers, spirituality, relationships, or sex. In Myth for Modern Men, I tackled these topics and many more in a manner that I hope is clear and digestible. Again, you can download Myth for Modern Men for free by visiting my website, explorerpoet.com. Okay, thanks, and please enjoy this conversation. My guest today is Thea Urafesa, who is a writer interested in personal growth, depth psychology, reconnecting with the body, alchemy, and the hero's journey. Thea is the author of Running Into Myself and Growing Into Myself. In these books, she explores her own personal journey as a woman in the modern world, seeking her soul's depth and cultivating a joyful, sensual, loving relationship with her body. She's an inspiring thinker and doer who has been through her own dark nights and traveled her own hero's journey and come back with a boon from which we all can benefit. I truly enjoyed my conversation with Thea and I hope you do as well. Okay. Hi Thea. Thanks for being on the Explorer Poet podcast.
1: Hi Josh. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Yeah. Um, I've been, this has been a couple months in the making. I think I reached out to you maybe November, end of October yeah. or something. And so, yeah. um, I've actually been really looking forward to this and, uh, I read your book. I read your first book, which we were just talking about, um, your mm-hmm. first book running into myself. And, oh. uh, when I read th- you know, I saw you online, I came across you online, um, on mm-hmm. Twitter, uh, now X, I guess. And then, really? um, <laughs> yeah, it's hard to say. <laughs> Uh, and then I, I said, okay, she she shared, like, basically you shared a lot of content. That's really interesting to me. And in a similar Mm -hmm. way, I'm just sharing. That's all I, that's all I do on social media is share, uh, -hmm. quotes and things. But Mm -hmm. then, um, based on the topics that you were sharing and the things that you were saying, um, Mm -hmm. it made me think, okay, this is somebody who I could probably relate to. And so I went and I got your book and I read it. And, um, first thing I want to say about your book is, um, fantastic. It's a fantastic book, but I really appreciated how raw you were and how honest you Uh were in the book. And then the Uh other thing about it was there was like this blending of all sorts of esoteric wisdom, whether it's like alchemy or Reiki, Uh or, you know, you're bringing in all these different things into your personal experience and you're blending them with Uh myth. And there's a lot of Joseph Campbell and Carl Jung in there. So it's all stuff that speaks to me. But Uh the, the big thing about it it stood out to me was that you were willing to share it. You were willing to share this story before it was really like a concluded final thing. And I think that a lot of times we look at people and we want to, like we want to, it's as if the people who are out there who are available for us to, to observe, it's almost as if we see them as these completed people. Mm -hmm. And I just really appreciated that you were willing to share the story as you were still in the middle of it.
1: Yeah, I don't know if part of that was just <laughs> naivety at the time when I look back. Or um I think there was a, a fair amount of naivety. Something in me before I even um wrote the book, something in me knew that there was that was there would be a book, but I didn't set out with the um intention of, well, I'm gonna have this journey and then I'm gonna write about it. It was just a sense of, well, um, Right, so I was introduced to Joseph Campbell's work after I'd already started down the path. It was only once I'd been introduced to his work that I looked back and realized, oh, this is real. This stuff actually plays out. And that's what I was particularly interested in because the first question I had when I was in this introduced to this Joseph Campbell Roundtable group, which was in Santa Fe in New Mexico, um, was, okay, this all sounds great. But what does it mean to me, like a modern person living today and moving through this Western culture? Does this does this mean? Is this how does this speak to me? Because this is all great talking about these, and we see these this this hero's journey play out in in movies. And, and I've honestly all my life been really taken and really um really drawn to hero's journey movies. When I look back on my childhood, all my favorite movies moved through that cycle. I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back, I was like, oh, that's why I was drawn to those movies because they moved through this transformational cycle. I just didn't realize, but I couldn't get enough of those. But when I was, once I was introduced to it, I could already see that I was already three, three years into the cycle myself. So then I had questions about, well, okay, can you, can you make that happen? Or is that just something that if you just keep following the next step, then it it unfolds or not. I don't, you know, I don't know how else to um how else to put that. Um I have to say, just so any people listening, I am horrified at having to come out and <laughs> come out of my out of my cave. I know I was saying in, in the conversation we had before that it was like I called you a spiritual obstetrician, um, like cause you prize me out of my cave. Um because I've been so like this has been a two decades of like moving through these, these cycles of separation, initiation, return, separation, initiation, return. And now I'm at the end of this 20 year, 21 year cycle. I'm nearing the end of it and moving through it. You coming in and sort of going out, finding the book, reading it, not even telling me, I didn't even know that you'd gone out and found the book because I had pulled it back. It's not easy to get hold of. Neither of them are at the moment, but you'd gone out and found it. And I felt like it was what Campbell talks about when, you know, you've reached the end and, someone comes in and says no you've got to come out and talk about this stuff so even that was sort of you can't make those things happen but they further clarify that this pattern is always at work um and that even if you do have something to share even if it's not finished it's not just your journey it's you know in that vulnerability in that um you can share where you're up to so other people can potentially go oh okay well that makes sense the there isn't, there isn't a neat resolution. Um, I found anyway, I don't know. I'm, I'm waffling. This is like, <laughs> <being> <laughs> yeah, well, first of all, up, okay.
0: yeah, I really appreciate you being willing to talk with me. Um, I had no idea that you were hiding in your cave. I thought that you were <laughs> this person who's out there, you know, sharing your story and, um, you know, cause you've written your first book and then your second books also come out. And so I just assumed that, that that was the case. But I think that um, what you're saying about Joseph Campbell, that story, that cycle of, you know, the um, initiation and the the adventures. Separation, initiation, and, yeah, return. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting because I think it comes up a lot, uh, it, like you were saying, in movies. Everybody, yeah. Everybody's pretty familiar with, you know, the George Lucas adaptation in Star Wars and such things. But when it comes to myth, what's what you've done... In applying it to your own life, I actually think if I look back, that's probably what Joseph Campbell had in mind when he wrote all of his books. He wasn't trying mm. to give Hollywood a playbook for how to write movies. No. He was trying to help real people because he, I think, mm. he went through it himself, and he was somebody who became deeply, you know, enmeshed in that in that journey himself.
1: I also something that I found out that was really interesting about Campbell is apparently when he started teaching at Sarah Lawrence College, the, the girls that he taught. Well, like yeah this is all great but what does this mean to us and as soon as I heard that I thought that's the first question I asked like it's all very well like talking about this mythic cycle the first thing I always think is all right great what does it mean to me because if it's not grounded in everyday life then it just seems like these nice stories that have some kind of meaning somewhere over there but how how to bring it close so that that more people are not only interested in it, but can perhaps look in their lives and go, well, actually, yeah, you know, I, I have had the call to adventure, um, but then I had I refused it because, you know, for whatever reason, and I've, I've been through those phases. And then you think, oh, no, I'm going to commit to the journey. And then you meet the threshold guardians, and I've had people online asked me, well, what does a threshold guardian, what is it? And what did it look like? And it's just, you know, it's when you're finally crossing that threshold into the realm of adventure. And I use that term loosely. Um, for for me, for example, the the, the threshold guardians that I faced when I signed up for the marathon, which is what the first books cover. I mean, my reasons for signing up for it were not, you know, (laughs) it was actually based on a lot of insecurity and, um, the boyfriend that the guy I was seeing at the time mentioned that somebody that he'd dated previously had done the New York marathon. And I was like, you're trying to say that. I, well, I can't. What are you trying to say that? And I thought, right, well, I'll show you. I'll show all of you. I'll sign up, not just for one marathon. I'll sign up for three. <laughs> There's nothing like dignified or about the whole thing. It was just right. You're trying to say that I can't run. You're trying to say I'm fat as well. And, 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 and I'm off. And that was how I crossed the threshold. But once I I did cross that threshold and started, and I used the term train very loosely, um, there was a guy at the gym who was like, got into a conversation with, he was a gym instructor and he just said, I said, I'm going to do a marathon. I was really excited. I'm I'm doing New York, not realizing that you can't just sign up for New York. You have to, you know, thousands of people go into a ballot. It's not just something you rock up at, but I had no clue. And and I was on the treadmill, and he noticed that I wasn't really the best of runners. And he said, "Well, if you can't, if you can't run five k. You really have no business signing up for a marathon." And I just thought, "Oh," and that really knocked me for a while. And then I just thought, "No, I'm doing it." You know, because his thing was, "Well, if you don't run the whole thing, then you've not really done it." And you know, just filling me with doubt. And that's what threshold guardians do. They're the ones who, you know, in many religions they'll have people will say, I want to join this. I want to sign up. And it, and it's and like a, a refusal. It's like, you can't, you know, this is, I always remember a scene actually in sex in the city when Charlotte decided that she wants to, to become, um, to, to become a Jew. And she says, and, and she goes and she knocks on the, the, the rabbi's door and he's like, no, you're not. And he just shuts the door in her face. And I always remember that scene. He refuses it three times and it's part of the process. You can't just rock up and, say, you know, I want to go down this path. It's like, you will have people who will say, no, you're not. And then it's like, do you really want to do it? Because you'll repeatedly go back and you'll push. Um, So when I saw that scene on Sex and the City, I remember thinking, that's what happens. Someone will come along and say, no, you you just think you just cruise along and it's just, you know, open road ahead. Um, So, yeah, I could see that I had, I met the threshold guardians and these people exist and they'll tell you, "You're stupid. You must be crazy. And, and so when you meet those in your everyday life, when you meet them at the gym, you realize this stuff myth lives and it lives in our modern Western world. We just don't know. But if you know that you're going to meet these people who are going to try and pull you off your path, then it's like, oh, I know you. I, I, I okay. All right. Then I must be on the right track. And then you can either proceed or you can let them knock you off. When you have that experience, you're like, "Okay, this is real." And in a way, it kind of makes you feel like, yeah, I'm really on the adventure now. I'm, I'm okay, not knowing this. there's going to be plenty more threshold guardians, and there's going to be all sorts down the road. But you know, at least you've passed across that first one. Now you're off,
0: yeah, and if you can recognize it the way that you're talking about when those rejections come up or those denials come up, you're that much far. For, you're that much further ahead and being able to go over them, go through them, go around them and just not let them affect you. Uh, you know, not, not let them put doubt in you, but just say, Oh, you're, mm. if I overcome you, then I'm like one step closer to that goal. I'm one step closer yeah. to that thing.
1: Michael Mead talks about this. Michael Mead said, yeah. um, that, you know, when you meet these people, you go, Oh, thank you very much. It, I always remember him saying that. Cause he's like, Oh, you're the person that's going to come, and you just go, "Thank you," and then right. you just carry on on yeah. your way.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it it doesn't really matter what phase or like what thing you're doing in life, whatever you're pursuing. Because I had in a past life, I was I was in kind of the startup world, and it was the same thing when I would go pitch a company to, you know, a, a, a competition, pitch a company to investors, mm. and some of them just look at you and shake their head like you're crazy. You have no idea what you're mm. doing. And they're the ones that you just you just keep going. You just move right past yeah. them and you get to the ones who say yes. That's that's how yes. life works. You get to the ones who say yes.
1: It's yeah. never gonna be like, it's never gonna be that people go, oh yeah, great. Yeah, just <laughs> yeah. off you go. It yeah. just doesn't happen like that. So yeah, yeah. I think when you you do set up on whatever it is you're gonna do, be prepared for people to say, no, you're crazy, you're stupid. You shouldn't be doing that. You're not built for that. You'll never make it. And as soon as you do hear that, and it can be internal as well i mean it's not just people you'll meet you know out in the world it will be, it will be you'll have nightmares there will there is a very real inner conflict that will rise up so don't just think that this is you know it'll be your own insecurities your own fears you'll have nightmares there will be dreams so don't just think this comes from the outside it will also rear its head internally and that's that can be just as disconcerting because then you can think oh wait am i am i really supposed to to go down this path then because, you know, I had a dream and, you know, we know we take dreams very seriously and it's like, and this dream, it was saying I shouldn't be doing that. So maybe I shouldn't be doing that. So there are moments where I also feel the psyche tests you, like, you know, are you going to just buckle or do you think actually, no, it's, it, it's a tiny feeling and I, and I know I am afraid and it's okay to be afraid and carry on, you know, but also it's just to be aware that there isn't just the external there is all the, the, you know, the internal, the voices, the fears, the anxieties that's going to rear up. And it's most cases, it's probably going to be worse than anything anyone out there can say.
0: Yeah, absolutely. When I started this podcast, I used to have dreams where I was just jumping off of things. So I would like just jump off a building or I'd jump off a boat, jump off a dock. And when it first happened, I would have that experience where I would wake up, where I would wake up and mm. like, you know, cause that falling feeling in a dream can wake mm. you. Um, but then once I started doing the podcast, once I actually started reaching out to people and recording conversations, I started having dreams where I would jump off the building and I would feel that feeling all the way to the bottom and I wouldn't wake up. And so I know that feeling Uh of like just falling and falling and falling. Um, Mm -hmm. but that's with what you're saying. That's what it reminded me of was that experience of, um, Mm. maybe it's my psyche testing me. Maybe it's, uh maybe it's like this, this, you could take it as like a a sign that there's some part of you that's ready for it, whatever that pain is, whatever mm-hmm. that difficulty is. But, um, the thing I wanted to go back to is when you were asking whether this whole process, whether getting on this, this path, mm-hmm. what Joseph Campbell called the hero's journey, is this something mm-hmm. that you do consciously or unconsciously? And I think that there's a little, from my experience, I want to hear what you think, but uh, from my experience, there's a little bit of both. Um, a lot of the times the initiation or the separation starts and you're not even aware that it's starting. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. For me personally, from like a, what I would say is kind of um, the trauma that we have to overcome from our childhood, the trauma that, or, or like whatever we need to heal from or grow up from, mm-hmm. that process... Kicked off for me when I was completely unaware that it was kicking off and I was pretty, yeah. pretty deep into the thralls of it before I realized what was happening. And so mm-hmm. it seemed for me, it seemed as if my, I got to a place in my life with, you know, my family, my wife, my situation that for whatever mm-hmm. reason, my psyche or my un an unconscious part of me said, okay, here we go. And they just, I just got pushed over the edge. Um, and mm-hmm. then I was just, a. I, it was like a rock rolling down a hill at that point, And there was, there wasn't much mm-hmm. I could do, but from, I'm just curious because the name of your book is running into myself. Yeah. And so in a way it seems as if you had the same experience where you just kind of like bumped into it and then you recognize, oh, this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm curious what you think about that Un, the <clears throat> starting off unconsciously. And can you, once you get the process rolling, can you be more conscious about it? Or is it really just a waiting game?
1: um well when I signed when I look back 21 years ago I had I was in my late 20s and I was having suicidal ideations it was I was in a really bad place um and was filled with great I didn't know I didn't even know I was having suicidal ideations and that's something that you know I've since spoken with people about because I just didn't want to live anymore I didn't see the point of my existence that was meaningless it was purposeless I just didn't see what point there was for me to be here what 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 was the point I didn't add anything my life just seemed like is this it or you know it, it was it was a really awful time you know um and then I caught myself and it was such shame around that realizing that I was feeling that way and I went and spoke to a doctor. And I mean, this is what I talk about in the book. I went and spoke to a doctor and he just said, you know, you're depressed. But I was all, and then he gave me antidepressants, which I didn't take because I realized there's something here that I need to address. And, and as I say in the book, if you need to take antidepressants, whatever gets you through the night, and preferably alive. But I just thought, no, there's something deeper here I, I have to address. So there was already that. Um, you know the, the the first stage of the hero's journey is when you're in the ordinary world and you realize something isn't right, something's broken, and and it was me. And I, it took me. I just remember at the time going over and over a prayer or part of a prayer, which was you know, make me an instrument of thy peace, make me an instrument of thy peace. That was just a mantra that I would turn over and over. And what I was and re- now realized because it was unconscious, I was basically saying I want to be in service to something bigger. And greater than me because just scratching my own egos you know it's just not it's not not doing anything so that it was it was very much unconscious um and then gradually I realized that I I want to be of service I want to be you know a conduit for something greater than me um I don't just want my life to be about me I, I want to serve make me an instrument of thy peace So. It, it was a while I was in that 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 place. For quite that went on for almost a year, before, maybe even longer before I realised actually I can't stay in this job. I need to care for myself, and I also need to start nourishing myself. So there was an element of it was unconscious. I didn't didn't learn about anything to do with the hero's journey for another few years. That came later, but I was already on. I was already beginning to move through this and then someone came and they illuminated things for me interestingly it was an electrician and he was literally putting lights in the house for me and it was you know I actually I didn't know much about metaphor or anything like that I didn't think that way but something clicked that you know he's putting in lights and then he gave this rousing speech and made me realize that you know that you you could it's that it was a call to adventure. That's what he, that's what his he was for me. Um, and it, it was enough to inspire me that no, I do need to to make this leap. I do need to 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 at least try for something. So I tried life coaching. That that was the only thing I knew because I thought I don't want anyone to feel the way I did. Um, and I want to try and help others. But then, you know, so it was it was unconscious. I knew something was broken, something needed to be um looked at more deeply but it, it it that was a long process to get there and and I certainly wasn't thinking oh you know at that point I'm gonna go off that when I, I was eventually introduced to Joseph Campbell and I think that was in 2007 so it may have even been like four and a half five years later I realized looking back oh I've already passed through the first couple of stages you know the the call to the, the illumination, the illuminating comments that the the, the electrician made, and then um, the next stage was the refusal of the call because I went and bought a house because I'm a secular age now, so that's what you do, you buy the house, and then I backed away because you know, but then I realised that actually no, that that isn't the road I want to go down, and then I, that's when I was introduced to to Campbell, and and then decided no, I'm really going to do this, I'm going to. Go down this path even though I have no idea where it's going but a lot of that was born out of um realizing when people did get in front of me when I did start live coaching that when people come to you with their lives in their hands and they're saying help me if you don't feel the weight of that um and, and are not humbled by it and I realized I don't know I know enough to know that I don't know enough and I have A lot of experience, and I have a lot of work to do on myself before I can even think about getting in front of, of anyone else. Um, so yeah, it did start off unconsciously because I was in a massive confuser. I was in this place of just. It was a. There have been periodic times in my life where I've been in a really, really dark place, and that that was one of the worst. When you're just crying yourself to sleep every night and you know you're trying not to get sucked under by that energy which is just so I remember feeling you know you're trying to drive down this the the, the motorway and just not swerve the car at speed that's it was really everything I was gripping the steering wheel at that point in my life thinking I was holding on for dear life and this was on my commute day after day going into a job that I you know I loathed and thinking you know this this can't go on this can't be it so you're literally gripping it because you know I just wanted to just um and I had other people say that to me after I, that they read the book they were saying they felt the same and they felt the same with you know with um postnatal depression when they've had the kids in the car and i just want to take everyone out so it starts off unconsciously but then the thing is bringing it to conscious consciousness but then you have a tremendous amount of shame that you even felt like that and guilt that, you know, what would impact would that have had on others? So then you have to deal with that. And the thing about, I mean, mental health has really come to the fore much more in the past decade in the UK, but we are known for having stiff upper lips. And therapy is not the thing that it is in the US. When I've been over to the States, therapy is something that, you know, many people have therapists and everyone talks about my analyst or my therapist, and it's much more widespread. But in the UK, it's a real, like, you just, we don't talk about those things. You know, it's only more recently, I'd say in the past decade, where that's really come out. But 20 years ago, it was not. So I had, even when I started life coaching, I had people coming to me under the guise of life coaching who actually really needed therapy, but didn't want to see a therapist. So I had the weight of that and I thought, I can't hold this. I don't, I have to go and do my own work. And probably aware that hasn't answered your question, but it did start out from a place of unconsciousness. It didn't, it wasn't like, oh, I know I need to do this. It was, desperation that you know I don't want to be I don't want for the people to be in this place but it took me a long time before I even got to that stage
0: yeah yeah well thanks for sharing that um I think that I, when it comes to therapy I have all sorts of opinions but um I think for the most part I see therapy this the people that I know and that I see do therapy I see it like a like a band-aid that they're putting on this. It's like they're having a heart attack and trying to put a bandaid on it, um, which is not not the way to go. But um, when you think about or when you talk about depression, when you talk about like suicidal ideation, it makes me mm. think of it's almost as if that's the call or like that's, you know, like Carl Jung talks about going mm. towards the hardest thing, the, the scariest mm. thing. It's it's as if depression is the thing that's supposed to wake you up. It's, and, and these thoughts of suicide are supposed to pull you into that journey. I, I want to say that it's, it's the book, the women who run with the wolves where,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. um, I can't recall. Color yeah. Yeah. She, ta-
1: color SDs.
0: yeah. she talks about, I believe she talks about, um, this idea that suicidal ideation You know, when it, when we read myth, you can, you can always read it literally. And so suicidal ideation, maybe I want to kill myself, but at at the same time, you can always read myth psychologically or mystically. Mm -hmm. And so it Mm -hmm. may not be that you want to kill yourself. It may just be that you want a part of yourself to go away, a part of yourself to be released from this experience, or, you know, there's a, there's a part of you that you're holding onto and you need to move beyond that. You need to grow past it. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, for me, it was some, something in something. Oftentimes, something in someone's life needs to die. A way of being, something in you needs to die. You need to let go of something, but we don't understand metaphor, and so we're so literal that you know what I did was you think, "Oh, I want to die," rather than something in me needs to die in order to to be released um, and let go of because it no longer serves me. You no, know, I've outgrown it, and that's that's painful. But you don't have the words; you don't know that that's that's what's trying to happen. Something in me, in me needs to die, not me literally, but when you're going through that, it feels like, you know, you 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 want to take your own life.
0: Yeah, and I think that both in the East and the West we have a really like a really strong literal interpretation of this idea. Yeah. Where in the West we have the idea of death and resurrection or being born Mm -hmm. again. Uh, we, we do it symbolically or ritually through baptism where we go under the water and we come back up as this new thing. And in the East, they have reincarnation where Mm -hmm. seems to me like, because (laughs) after you've gone through, you're you're saying like you're 21 years into one of these cycles, but it seems to me like the reincarnation one seems a little bit more how it goes because you're not, you don't actually die. And so you just kind of go through this cycle. And then when that's done, you've, the next thing comes up and you you let that pass away and you become mm. this new thing and it's this constant rebirth and the closer you can get to living mm. that cycle how you feel like you should be or how how you need to be then in that next rebirth you're that much closer to some kind of i don't know some you get to be reborn as something that you look forward to in a way
1: yeah i mean because i've moved through this cycle now over the course of the 21 years, because the first book, what that deals with is, and I thought I'd reached a mountaintop when I got to the end of that. You know, I thought I would go out into the world; everybody would want to listen to what I have to say because you know I've, I've been that, I've been through that. Three marathons, and each one of those is a is a, a a small hero's journey. It's like separation, initiation, return. As you go to New York, you're in this new place, and then you come back again. So you can see yourself moving through that cycle each time, going through Rome and then going through Athens. Um, and then also going to India and amongst all of that, because, you know, that's what you do when you're running through marathons in 18 months, you just off to India as well. And I was a different person. I, you know, I, I was not the same person who came back from India as, as the naive woman who went. Um, but, you know, I didn't realize that that actual first book was really the set, set against the backdrop itself of separation. That was just the first stage of this. Bigger cycle, and then as you live that, you know, the second book is really dealing with initiation in terms of dropping into the depths. But again, it's moving all the time, cycling through. So you really start to get sense. It's very fractal. You're going through these mini separation, initiation, return, separation, initiation, return. You're going through it repeatedly, repeatedly, and each time you do get more. I don't want to say practiced You just get, you do get more practice. You got, you get quicker at identifying. Oh okay here's the threshold guardians these are people saying no okay i'm moving into this initiatory space now i also know how to come back out of that initiatory space and be kind to myself and have we have we used to call gentle landings as you come back out into the world because you've just been in a very different space that has a whole different language and and and, um way of being and this world isn't particularly sensitive to that So you have to be careful about who you're around. You just get more practiced at moving through it, but you're always slopping off again. And that doesn't always get easier. I'm going through it right now. I can, the psyche, it's a real back and forth because, you know, and and I will outline this in the third book, but it's happening right now where the psyche is saying, you having done that for years, you're not doing it anymore. And I was, and I literally, I mean, this is happening right now. I'm like, Yeah. I'm not really. And you think mm, it's like there's a death, there's a death, of the life that you. I thought no, I'm going to go forward, I'm going to do this, blah blah blah, and it's like you go no, no, you're not. That way is over. You're going to have to get used to doing it this way now. And again, it's that oh, that's a way of being that has been a huge part of my life for a decade is coming to an end, and there's a big part, it doesn't know how. About, you know, I'm really not happy about that because it's like. Mm. You know, but you also recognize, and I'm much more able to go, okay, well, I'll spend a few months really feeling into that. But again, it's that shedding of skin. It never gets easier, you know. And with shedding of skin, you have to let go of people and situations and, you know, the way, and, and it, it, you get more practiced at it and more experienced. But it's like the psyche always knows exactly where to poke you, exactly which bits you like, you want to hold on to. So you let go of that. But I don't want to let go of that. It's like, you're going to let go of that. And then we have this pretend fight for a bit, because it's almost like the says you're going to let go of it. You and I both know you're going to have to let go of it. So let's just, you know, you have a roll around on the floor and your teeny tiny temper tantrum, but you're going to let go of it. Whereas when I was younger, it felt like life and death, literally, because you don't know, because you haven't been through it before. And you have no reference points either, because you don't have anyone in who's, You know, I didn't have a therapist because I couldn't afford it. And I I didn't, I don't, even if I could have afforded it, I don't think that would have been necessarily the right path for me. I think I was always looking for people who were like me, who were going through this. What does it look like to them and how did they get through it? But when you haven't got anyone to talk to, these situations literally feel like life and death. And, and you know, when you're younger, there's the added drama of it, you know. It's like, as you get older and more experienced, it's like, oh, we're here again. Okay, well, I'm not happy about this, and it is painful. And I'm even thinking of a story. It's the Lindworm, I think. It's the story that Robert Bly tells, and, it, and it, I've got the image of the. It doesn't really apply, but it's that sense of when the Lindworm has to keep taking these let these scrubbing and taking these layers off, and it's really painful. And that's what it feels like every time. It's like you're taking off this layer, and it, you could become more and more vulnerable. And but it never ends. It's just that you become more experienced at doing it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that that's why to me it seems more like reincarnation than resurrection mm-hmm. because resurrection feels like it's a one-time thing and then you're perfect forever. And that's that's kind of how we position it in the west, <laughs> but it really does feel like this thing that happens over and over and you've got to get used to it. But I like the imagery of if it's a circle and you're kind of going through this cycle that's a circle, but it's it's more of like this slow spiral. Cr- yeah, this slow climb up the spiral where it feels like you're going through the same thing over again, but you can look oh. down and see like, oh, I've been there before. It just feels yeah. like the same point on the map. It's just, I'm actually a little bit higher up. And uh, it doesn't, like you're saying, it doesn't necessarily make it feel better, but in a way you go through a different type of suffering where you 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 do have to suffer the thing, but you don't have oh. to suffer as much of the mental anguish of letting go of the thing if you've if you've had to go through it before and if you've accepted it.
1: There's, I think there's more of a conscious cooperation, whereas at the beginning, it's an unconscious. Well, it, it, you just feel like you're being dragged. It doesn't feel like you have a say, really. But when you, I mean, there's a beautiful example of what you've just said. And this is where I'm. my mind, even though it's my life, and people could say, well, well, you're living it. You could be making these things happen. First of all, you can't make things happen. I can't. I'm not in control of someone like you reaching out to me. I'm not in control of people who are on social media reaching out to me. I'm not in control of any of that. That's just, you're just responding to what is coming at you from, from through the psyche and dreams and so on and through life. So you can't make these stages happen. But what really blows my mind is the events that are unfolding now. And I was always, the question I would always ask, it's like, it's it's a funny one, but it's almost like I have an image of the psyche as this sort of, presence that sits in the corner of the room and I have a conversation it it doesn't have any form but sometimes it's just like I, it's just there in a the corner of the room and I'm just like well how am I supposed to know when I've reached the end of this particular cycle you know like what and it's like I'm asking questions that I suspect people would be potentially ask me So like, how well how do you know when you've reached the end of a, a cycle what does that look like because I know when I reached the end of the second book I felt like this is unfinished there's there's more here this is like a an ellipsis there's a to be continued but you don't know you can't make it happen you can't make events you just have to go okay well it's not quite finished but what i now realize is where what's unfolding right now through my life is there are events that are happening now that link back to events that happened at the beginning of the first book and i can see now it's just staggering how beautiful this is and this is where I just get so excited and I think this is why we have to share our stories and write them down because I can actually show people and say well you know those events that unfolded at the beginning of the first book 21 years later you can see how much well I wouldn't have known I'd moved on but when you when I share eventually what's happening right now you'll be able to see immediately the connection but also see that I am on a whole different level and I'm able to handle it compl- you know, in, in a much more conscious way, I mean, there's still resistance there, and there still has to be a, a, a death and a letting go and a sloughing off of an old life. But I can link it back. I mean, it's incredible. You can't make that stuff up. And that, for me, is where life, there is that magic. It doesn't always feel like that. I mean, it's two decades, and there's a lot of nothingness. that ha- When I say nothingness, it's all happening underneath the surface. I just write the bits that something exciting happens. But you have like years where nothing is on the surface is happening, and you just have to get on in your everyday life and go to the gym and do whatever you do. You think, okay, nothing. Years can be like that, and then these moments come up, and you think, oh, okay, this is this is what happened twenty-one years ago, and now I'm here, and I can tell from the way I'm able to work in co- conscious cooperation with the psyche that. Oh wow, I really have come a long way, but I would never have known that. But you can't make those things happen. You cannot make, I mean, it's it just blows my mind. And that's where you think myth lives and it does live through our lives. But, you know, I the thing I was always scratching around for when I was first introduced to The Hero's Journey and Joseph Campbell's work is I was looking for those real life examples because you know it's great we can go back and we can look at the myths but i also want to know from other people like i'm not i'll give you an example when i was writing the first book um something threw me off threw me threw me off a bit it was um liz gilbert's book um eat pray love was huge now england the uk was the last market in which it caught on but it was like just it was when I was in the in the States, I remember a woman thrusting it into my hands and saying, you must read this book. It's like, you know, and, she, and I remember thinking at the time because I'd intuited that I was on my own hero's journey and I could see it in her book. She goes through separation, initiation, return. It's prompted by the breakup of her, of her marriage. And then she goes, to, um, she goes to Rome to eat for the pleasure. And I think she goes to pray in Indonesia and then she, uh, um, India and then she finds love. eat eat, pray love in 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 bali and this book what i thought was wonderful was it gave permission to particularly to women to go off and have their own hero's journeys but i remember thinking at the time because i was just starting out as a writer that's great but she got an advance to do that so it was almost like she was going to spend this much time here then she was going to spend this much time there and then she was going to spend that much time there and she'd earned that i mean she just was just established writer um so it was nothing to do with criticism of of her it was just that, and she would never know what phenomenon the book would become. And I always felt looking back at it, that that was great. It gave women the permission to go out and and to, to have these adventures, but it was kind of set. Whereas, and people were saying to me at the time, oh, you know, your, your books like that, you're going to Rome. And I'm thinking, yeah, but I'm not, I, I, I'm not getting an advance for this. No one's paying me, (laughs) you know, I'm just doing it. And but then the next stage comes and then the next stage comes and you're not in control of that. It's not like I can sit down and I can take a a certain amount of time and do these set things and then write about them. It's never been under my control. So you're looking for the real life examples of people who are just trying to figure it out and then potentially look back and go, Oh, there was a, some sort of pattern. There was a, you know, in, in amongst all the chaos, there was some kind of order. But you can't make it happen. And that's what I was always looking for, those real-life examples where you're just kind of fumbling in the dark, but eventually at some point, a pattern does become apparent. But you can't make that happen. Um, Yeah, yeah, I can look back now 21 years later, and I can see the end. But all that is also is the beginning of a whole new cycle, and I'm acutely aware of that because now the cycle's, my journey is moving into a whole new place. And I can already feel the threads of things coming through. I mean, I can feel like being drawn to water. I mean, I can talk about those things, but it doesn't give anything away in the story. But, you know, I can feel new adventures calling me forth. But this kind of a blurring between one stage and the next as one wraps up and another one begins. But I can feel the road calling me on again, like a new a new threshold. But I can also see how the end of this one links back to what happened 21 years ago and wraps up this whole... Three, it would be a trilogy of books. It, it wraps them all up, but you, you can't make those things happen. And But that's real life. And it can also take a long time. The road is the goal. Step one is get on the road. Step two is stay on the road. That's it. It's about the process. It's yeah. not about getting anywhere.
0: Yeah. It seems like um, the way you're talking about how the new cycle or the new, the next adventure is starting as the other one yes. is wrapping up. It's like you are the snake and you're just about to eat your tail you're just about to bite it and that's going to be the nourishment that you need to get to the next one. But then also the way you talk about this, you know, you, you go through this, this, if you, if your life was a story, you go through it and you you're like, as it's happening, you're kind of thinking, Oh, what's nothing. This isn't that exciting of a story. Nothing that interesting is happening. And then you get to a point where you can look back and you go, Oh, all these things tie together. It's as if there is somebody editing the story. It's as if that psyche inside oh. of you knows what's gonna happen well before it oh. actually happens. Like a, a really oh. well-written book doesn't come about the first time you write it. It takes edit after edit after edit, dozens oh. of edits perhaps, until it gets to the oh. point where everything ties together. But somehow when we look at our lives, we look back and and you can see those things tie together in such a way that you go, oh, somebody was aware of these things the entire time. And if I look at my own personal story, it blow it blows my mind because when I was a kid, I could, I had these like imaginations that I would go do things, and then once I was done with those, I would turn to writing. And okay. for me personally, that's that's exactly how it's worked out. Even though I never could have, even though I could have, I daydreamed about it as a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, what it was was essentially, I had this idea in my head that I needed financial security before I could ever try to be some kind of an artist, a writer, a creator. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so I, I went out into the world and I attempted this, I went into the startup space and like, I attempted this and there was even along the way, there was never any indication that it was actually going to work. It was just Mm -hmm. kind of this like hope and prayer. And I was like, maybe I'll be one of those people. Uh, but then, you know, strangely it did work where, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, uh, in a position where money doesn't mean anything anymore, but I am in a position where I can write and financially I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm okay. And mm-hmm. um, to look back on it and see that, oh, like I'm actually where my eight year old self thought I would be. I'm actually where okay. you know my 12 year old self thought I would be. But the actual journey, the actual, actually accomplishing shit, accomplishing it, it almost felt like this unconscious experience of just like going through life and then eventually mm-hmm. It takes 20, 30, 40 years to turn around and go, oh, there, somebody has been editing this the whole time. And I'm, I'm just some, mm-hmm. ca- I'm like the character going through the story. I don't know. It blows my mind. And and then also, um, the way that you can start to see those same patterns in your dreams and you can see development of mm-hmm. things happening in your dreams. It's just more mm-hmm. evidence to me of that. There's like this underlying process. There's somebody in charge. There's somebody like pushing things forward. And in a lot of ways you know, my ego or my conscious self thinks that I'm making these decisions. But when I look back, I realize, oh, I'm just, I'm just the observer. I'm just like along for the ride. And, uh, the more, (laughs) the more that those two things can line up, the more I feel, I don't know, whole or complete or like fulfilled Mm -hmm. with this journey. But -hmm. when I don't appreciate that, when I don't appreciate where I am, when my conscious self or my ego looks at my current state and is, unsettled or like unhappy, then it can be Mm -hmm. really hard in those moments. It can be really hard to see that connection between kind Mm. of the myth that your unconscious is trying to play out. And then where you are in that process, it can be very Mm. disheartening. Um,
1: There's something there that made me think of you. It's like a foreshadowing, you know, when you said you was, when you was a kid, it's almost like in the, in that dreaming that's, dreaming space as a child, it's like a foreshadowing. It's, it reminds me a little bit of what James Hillman talks about in the in the Souls Code, where he talks about the, you know, the, the oak's already there in the acorn, you know. Um, but that foreshadowing is something that I've experienced time and again. I mean, I had that, I can now see it happening in each of the books. The seeds for the second book are actually planted, I don't know it while I'm writing it. The seeds are already planted for the second book. They will all play out for a few years. But the seeds are planted then. And then it happens again in the second book. The seeds are planted. I didn't write it in the second book because I didn't think it was important. You just think it's an inconsequential detail. Oh, someone's invited me to go do this thing. Not realizing that inconsequential thing they've invited you to do is actually going to be the basis of the whole of of the third book. You're like, oh, okay. That wasn't so inconsequential at the time. But there's a sense of foreshadowing. And I know when I was writing the second book, the second book wrote me. I didn't write the second book. The first one was awful. I was wrestling with it. I was, Liz Gilbert's voice was too much in my head. The first copy of it got stolen because I almost felt like the psyche reached in and just happened to, like I hadn't backed up my my laptop and and it got stolen. And I thought probably for the best that the the whole thing just was taken away from me. Um, And I I was really nervous as well because I'm like, who am I to be talking about this stuff? And I have no authority and blah, blah, blah. But there was a, the second book wrote me it wrote me in 79 days, I think it was, or something like that. Just bang, came through. Like and it had an agenda. It had something it wanted to say. And I had to have it done by a particular date. And you're like, you know, I literally literally went into literary labor. And I was like, oh, the book's coming, the book's coming. And I'm, you know, you're afraid. And oh, can I get the words down? But it was what I noticed in the writing of that. And again, people could think, well, you're the one that's writing it. But the second book had an agenda. It had something it wanted to say. And whether I liked it or not, I had to say some of the things. And so there were things in that second book I didn't even want to share. But what I noticed, and I remember thinking, being in dialogue with the psyche at the time as I was writing, it, and saying, "You're quite sneaky," because while I was writing the book, I noticed that I was sowing seeds, even though I knew what was going to happen because I'd lived through it. There was a sense that it was sowing seeds in preparation in, to prepare the reader's mind for what was coming in the second half of the book. Now, if you was to ask me to go back and what and ask me what those seeds were, I couldn't tell you because I just knew it while I was writing it, and I remember thinking, "You're being really sneaky as I was writing it. You're like setting the scene for what's to come, like preparing the reader's mind." And that's not a technique I would have. I wasn't trained as a writer, so it wasn't. Oh, you know, I didn't. I didn't do anything. I didn't do it in school or, or just basic stuff. But you hear about these literary techniques, but I didn't. As I was, I just did it. I just thought this is foreshadowing you're kind of preparing away but what I didn't know and it's only in the 10 years since is the seeds I was putting in that book were actually foreshadowing what's going to come in the next 10 years and again I didn't know that I thought that's why that story was so oh my days I'm almost like I'm giving myself advice or laying the groundwork for what's to come but you you can't get there unless you've Laid the seeds earlier on, and so there's this constant sense of foreshadowing all the way through, I and mean, when you're preparing yourself for what's coming down the line. But like you say, these are this like seemingly like they're inconsequential. They're just stuff that the ego could just go, eh, meh, that's boring. What does any of the, what does this mean? This doesn't really mean anything. This is not really in the grand scheme of things. And it's like, you bet, watch out because some of those really that Do you want to come along and join me at this event, I'm like. Mm really not realizing that is going to be the thing that's going to potentially down the line, change your life. But we can just so easily dismiss those things because we just think they should have like these exciting, sexy things that are happening to us as part of our spiritual development. And actually a lot of it is quite humdrum and you know, um, yeah. So when you were saying that, I just got that sense of that constant foreshadowing for what's coming.
0: Yeah. I've experienced that in my own writing too, because the the way that i spend my days mostly is um writing reading and then having conversations and so uh when i'm in that writing like i don't i don't have a book deal i don't have uh, one day i would hope to have you know somebody to represent me but i'm not at that point yet and so i just sit down and i write and i mm-hmm. i have the exact same experience and i can't explain it where i write something in the you know the first part of the book and then I'm in the th- the last part of the book, and I go, whoa, oh, whoa, yeah, yeah like, oh,
1: that's even you didn't yeah. see it coming. Yeah, that's exactly. The thing. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think that uh, it's like this, it's like magic almost, but you're not in control of it. You just get to witness it. Mm.
1: That's what well, that's it the thing is like. when you become a, a vessel for something to just, and that's where you need to be, you need to cut your teeth, particularly as a writer, you need to cut your teeth enough on the craft itself so that at some point when something does want to come through you, you can make yourself as Joseph Campbell says, transparent, the transcendent. So something can just come through. You are just a conduit. You're just the one that's trying to keep up with whatever it is that wants to come through. But I think people think because you're a writer, you you, you must be trying to figure out plot lines. And I'm sure there are people who do that, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a memoirist. So I'm talking about this, but also setting it against the psycho-spiritual, you know, um, backdrop of things I've learned along the way and just throwing other bits in but you never you, you can't know what's coming down the line and I certainly didn't so I had those moments where I got to the next part of the book, so I was thinking particularly as I was writing a second why am I even talking about what do you want me to talk about this for what's this got to do with like you know I'm like literally like stopping and saying why why do you want me to talk about that thing this just feels like a bit too much information it's my life and I'm not sure I want this out there But then in the 10 years since, I've looked at what's going on in the culture and you go, okay, you were ahead of the curve, not me, but whatever it was that was coming through me knows that down the line, the situation is going to start playing out in the mainstream. And you was like dealing with this stuff like a decade earlier and you think, oh, okay, that's why you wanted me to talk about that stuff because it's coming down the pike and it's like, ah, right. But you you, you can't, you don't know that. You just, you know an instrument like trying to do you the best you can and and keep up with whatever it is at the beginning, it's like a trickle, but then it really starts to pour through you and it's doing your best to sort of be able to hold that and not let it at times feel like it's going to just blow you to smithereens. That's part of that. I also think that the the path along the way is strengthening you so that you can hold that. don't know if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. I think about it as, You know, if if there's this idea of the collective unconscious, then we're all just nodes of, of like awareness that plug back into that. And Mm -hmm. not that we have full awareness or even full consciousness, but we get these experiences where a part of us, well, you know, we get to go have these experiences and play them out. And then when, when we do something creative, it's as if that collective flows out, out of us. In, in the way that you're mm. talking about it, you know, writing something that you're thinking you're going through and you're doing it, you're at, you're questioning why you're doing it when it's happening. And then 10 mm-hmm. years on, you go, oh, like everybody was going through this or, or enough people were going through this, that the entire body of the species, you know, this entity that we are collectively is trying to figure mm. something out. It's trying to work through things and it does it through each one of us individually. And the way that mm. that, that information gets out especially in modern times when religion has fallen away and, mm. you know, rationalism or call it the scientific method. It's not going to give us myth. Mm. It's not going to give us mm. story that helps us understand what's happening, what this process is. But mm. when each of us sits down to do something creative, whether it's writing mm. or writing music or yeah. painting or whatever, that thing's going to flow through us because mm. we're all tied into that collective and and it needs to come out because mm. we're, as much as we're all growing as an, as individuals or like trying to grow as individuals, what's really mm-hmm. happening is that we're participating in this entity wide m- maturation. And, and mm. I think, I don't know, I, that's how I see it at least that, that we're all connected. And so in some way, those things mm-hmm. have to come out through somebody and to be somebody like yourself, who's maybe confidence, not the right word, but brave enough to, mm. to put yourself on the chopping block and say, okay, it'll come through me. Mm. That's how I, I honestly think that that's how we move forward as a species.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think it's about those of us. I mean, like I said at the beginning, I don't know if it's just silly enough or naive enough, but you just think, you know, one of the things I learned very early on is that people don't like being talked at. People don't like being preached to. My eyes glaze over when anyone starts talking at me with about anything. You know, I have the answers or blah blah, blah and I just think, oh, okay, whatever. My eyes just glaze over, but I think if you have the humility to share and be and be vulnerable enough, like that's why I do. I'm reserved, and you know, this like I said to you is a horrifying experience. But I can bleed all over the pages of a book because there's something very intimate about that. Because you can take that away, and I always say to people, if it resonates, keep it. If it doesn't, get rid. I'm just sharing my journey. I'm not telling you that this is how. I've also noticed in my journey that there is a pattern. So this, that, you know, has sort of confirmed to me that these patterns do play out through our lives. But don't go trying to make it happen. And also don't think that I'm trying to sell you on anything or convince you of anything. I'm just sharing these things and these moments that have unfolded. And if you if something resonates, great. But it's about being vulnerable enough to to create a space into which people can you know, momentarily sidle up next to you and kind of look over your shoulder and perhaps take some notes and then, or perhaps be inspired or perhaps be moved and then can go back into their lives again. That for me is the thing. It's about those of us who are brave enough to be vulnerable to do that so that we can, you know, because as I say, I don't like being talked at hate. I really don't like that. It's just, I just find it very condescending and patronizing. I just like, let's just create space. I know when I've been in spaces like that, um, one of the things I noticed very early on in the Josie Campbell round table was a lot of people like to hear themselves sort of, I call it mental masturbation or these intellectual sort of jerk circles where people want to just like pontificate. And yeah, I read all the collected works of Jung. I had that right at the beginning of my journey. And I'm like, yeah, and what does that mean? Again, I come back to that. What? How is that going to help me? You know, like in my life, I, I just feel like you're just you're just being all self-congratulatory at that about that. And and what? But what does that mean? To, what does that mean to me when I'm like in the gym and when I'm facing a hostile situation? At least if I've got a sense that, okay, this is like, I've collected the boon. I know there's a very, I've got a great example of that. And now people are not very happy about that and are coming after me quite literally. And this is actually happening in real life. If I share that as an example, at least it's giving somebody an example of something in real life. If you're all just sat around talking about this stuff and you just want to congratulate yourselves on the fact that you've read all of this stuff, it's like, that doesn't mean anything to me. You know, I'm always like trying to ground it in real life so that some, someone can take something away and hopefully be inspired by that. But anyone that starts talking at me, at me. I'm like, I don't want to hate. I don't want to hear it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think that's why you're honestly, that's why your book works so well because you're just telling your story and it doesn't even come across preachy because you're just kind of figuring things out as you go. And the yeah. whole time you're asking the, you're asking questions. You're asking like, well, mm-hmm. how does this apply? What do I do? How do I integrate this? What does this mean? And so it's even in your writing, it doesn't come across preachy just, just so you know, uh, you're not doing no, that. Right, to other that's people. Good. Yeah.
1: But I know it makes people uncomfortable. I know it does make people uncomfortable because I know I've started to do it a little tiny bit on my uh, Instagram page that I set up, I'll question things. Mm. And I always get this feeling sometimes like the tumbleweed comes through because I, I ask myself difficult questions out loud. I don't do it on Twitter. I kind of do it a little bit over on on, on the Instagram that I set up. But, you know, I'm like, I'll have a realization as I did in Belvin Price, And I'm thinking, hold on a minute. Well, if that's happening there, and what does that mean over in that area of my life? And what does that say about me? But I'll actually put those questions out there and share that. And you can almost, sometimes I can just sense the energy of people, especially if I meet up with them afterwards and I know them in, in real life, they'll say, How did, why are you saying that? It's like, you can almost feel like, why Why are you having those? What, did you have to say that? <laughs> it's like, I'm only talking to myself. <laughs> you just happen to have a window to peer in at my my sort of thought process where I'm trying to figure it out and join the dots. And, you know, and I just think that can help with the people who are like, yeah, well, I, I, I was thinking that too, but I didn't want to say it, but if you're happy to say it, then, you know, let's see where it goes.
0: Yeah. Somebody has got to say it eventually or it never gets out there. Um, this far on you've written the two books, you're working on a third. Did you say you finished yeah, not, the third or you're working on it?
1: No, no, because it's the end's unfolding ah, and, okay. um, I, I can't control the other (laughs) (laughs) okay i don't know i can just tell from the repeating pattern like oh like oh Uh, okay and 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 i can't force anything and i really can't in the situation that's unfolding it's like again because now i work with not just dreams a big part of my journey these days is massively teaching the astrology which is is a huge part um and, and tarot and dreams so I use like a synthesis of all of these things now and you know so, the, so that's another way I can dialogue with with the with the psyche through the I Ching it's just that for me is much more of a conversation even more so than dreams because if I have a dream I wake up I'll do an I Ching reading and it's like I'm into a back and forth dialogue then with, with the psyche in a way that if you've got no one to talk with about it and from great swathes of my journey I've had no one to talk with about dreams about any of this because no one's there's just been no one in my life so you're trying to find a way. So for me, the I Ching has been a massive, a massive help. So the events that are unfolding right now, like the I Ching said, the advice it's given is don't say anything, don't do anything. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay. Just and then you wait. just have to wait. <laughs> that's like the worst. Just wait. <laughs>
0: just wait. Yeah, That's awesome. And, and,
1: and, you know, and that's, that's like, that's quite a constant advice that I've had from it in situations just sit this one and wait to see what presents itself. And you're like, that's probably the most constant advice I've ever had after I Ching. It's just create the space and wait to see what and wait to see what comes. But then it will also say, oh, this is, it will unfold, but you also need to have the patience to sit and allow the process to unfold and not interfere with it in any way, shape or form. So yes, it's my life, but there are other people involved and I just have to just, wait and, and see what wants to become present, yeah. which is easier said than done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so are you still this, this far into the journey? Are you still running? Do you have a love for running? Have you developed that or, or did you move on from running?
1: Um, I did for a long time. Um, I run, I did carry on running for a long time. And then, um, cause the second book is about my journey through a women's Tantra program. Um, that's much more about the descent into the body, um, and again, doors opened. Like Joseph Campbell says, doors open when you're on the right path, and doors open to allow me to do that. And the, but the third book, and the seeds again were planted in the second. That's powerlifting, um, which, you know, I, 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 I. mean, it is documented. I mean, I've, I've taken it off 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 now because off um, Instagram because I didn't want people to know. What happened? <laughs> because I realised that that was quite a big part of the journey. Some people know what happened because obviously they we're there. um But I started lifting weights, and so that's become a huge part. What I will, what I do have and have retained from the marathon is a great love of endurance. So um I I train for long periods, and one of the things I would love moving forward is one of those. They're really expensive, but one of those elliptical bikes. But they are like you know several thousand pounds. But it's like that you do need that thing out. I could do like distance because it gets harder as you get older as well on the joints, but I also love to run, but I, uh, to, to, to lift heavy weights. And I still lift, um, you know, I will always like heavy weights now because it's just become a part of who I am alongside the endurance, which I picked up from the running. So it's all,
0: so first endurance and now it's time to get strong. It's time to be strong.
1: Yeah. The third book is about the, the third book is almost like the things that happened in the second book, which were almost, I had to write my way around because because it was an initiatory space for women, and a lot of it was it was very much um, like a mystery school. And when I went back and reread Joseph Campbell's work, I think it was a creative mythology. Um, and in fact, I went through all of his work um, a couple of winters ago because I just thought I want to go through everything again. And you, I realized having gone through a space what I write about in the second book, the, that initiatory space with, with with other women and then eventually with men, is that these mysteries, these ancient mysteries that he spoke about, again, they haven't gone away. They just went underground. And they still exist. Because when I was reading his books and he was talking about certain rituals, you think, this stuff still happens. It still goes on. I just didn't realize as I was going through it it's it's taken on a slightly different, you know, because of many different culture and stuff, but much of this symbolism appeared in the ritual work that I did. I just didn't, you know, I didn't appreciate it. Um, but the third book is almost like a topside version. Like people couldn't be present other than the people who were there because it was very much like the mystery schools. But the third book, that's like the topside version of what happened and that really is about the return, but this whole 10 years, has been about what Joseph Hamill would call the return of the, the hero's genius. So the first book was separation, the second book was initiation, and the third book, which I'd heard repeatedly, the third, third book covers the, the return, which is where you, um, well, one of the things, and Michael Mead really helped me understand this, was that he said, most people fall down on the return. Most people get into a two-step between separation and initiation and they can spend their entire lives doing that. And he gives the example of, think about people in academia. Joseph Campbell says this too. They'll you know, they'll be the perpetual student. They'll go away to university, they'll get a degree, then they'll get another one, then they'll get another one. And then it becomes all wretched, no vomit, because you're just this perpetual student. You never bring it home. And I remember him saying that, and this was back in 2008, and I, I was in Rome, and he said that he was, he wanted to, uh, he met Maladoma Samae, who was also wandering around in an incomplete initiation, and so was he. And he said, it's the, it's, the, it's the stage where most people fall down. And I remember being under the Coliseum when I heard him say this and think, I won't, I will bring this home. I don't care how long it takes, not realizing it was going to take over a decade. So this is the most, for me, I understand now experientially when I read this in books, why is it so difficult? because I used to read that it was, and you'll see stories and movies will just kind of skim over that. The couple gets together and happy ever after the end. That's kind of the return. It's like, it's kind of a skipped over stage. It's like people don't quite know what to do with it. Yet having lived through it over the period of actually 11 years, I can understand now why it is such an arduous stage, why most people do fall down on it. Um, but yeah, the third book is much more of a topside version of, of what happened in the in the second it plays out much more publicly and it's also again to do with power but again i you know it, it's it's the second book is a women's journey and it's much to do much more to do with the body and and sex and sexuality and the third book is about again with women i didn't know this existed um women only the only women's powerlifting competition at the time i think in europe if not one of the only ones in the world where it was just women powerlifting competitively together in their own competition um and that one plays out much more publicly. But I, again, you, you I don't know these things exist. You don't go looking for them. <laughs> yeah. it's just someone just invites you along and you're like, okay, I'll go along to that, not yeah. realizing it's gonna play a major part in your life.
0: It's interesting that you bring all this up because um, for Christmas, my son gave me a book. He he like wanted to give me a Christmas present. And I said, he said, What what would you want? I said, How about a book? So I showed him my book list and he just picked the one that was at the very top. And it just happened to be the Odyssey. And it's interesting that your your journey, the the portion that's like the return, it's been these last 10, 11 years. Mm -hmm. The Iliad or the sacking of Troy took 10 years. And then once Odysseus wanted to go home, it took him another 10 years to get home. It was just (laughs) as long. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's why people give it up is because it's this, there's so many challenges with it. And then the biggest Mm -hmm. thing, half the book is, He's already gotten home, and once he's at mm-hmm. home, he's he hasn't revealed himself yet because he's like, "How do I do this?"
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: a big part of it is realizing that once you return home, there are all these people that didn't want you to come home. They didn't want you to mm-hmm. complete that cycle, and so you have really? to you have to go through and look at all the people, the suitors who were there trying to court your wife. Uh, in Odysseus's mm-hmm. case, and you yeah. have to decide who's going to stay and who who you have to get rid of. Uh, it's, a, it's an arduous, yeah, it's a painful, arduous experience.
1: But it's real that happens. That really happens because also the other thing you have to bear in mind is you're not going to be the same person who come back, who was a person who went away and not everyone is going to be happy about that. So there's another letting go. There's many, many deaths and you're going to have to let go of, you know, you think people will welcome you home and will be thrilled for you and happy for you not the case it's not going to be the case it's not the case because know that
0: there's a lot of people who have been resisting the call or denying themselves the adventure and there's a lot of people who are stuck in that cycle that you're talking about where they're the perpetual student and so mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that don't want to see you reach that end and yeah. when you get there you look around and you actually realize who those people are it's actually it's really painful but at the same time yes. it's really nice to realize who all of your real friends are and it's really you may nice. may not have many. <laughs> no, no, you don't. You will. No, I mean you like- You may I, not have many. I don't even think it's a may. It's like, you won't. You won't have many, yep. but there will be a you small won't. group of people who's your inner circle and they'll be yes. more valuable than anything you've ever had before.
1: Yeah, but you will shed. You will shed relationships because what you don't realize is you shed skin, I skins many, 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 many times. You are not the same person at the end of this cycle as the person who left. And, and you, you know, people want, are thrilled about that. They want you to be as, and you and everything to be as it always was, except it isn't. And so that shedding is real. It is real. And again, it's painful because you in part you think, well, what have I done? And it's like, well, you've grown and you've moved on and not everyone is happy about that. Yeah. But it's good yeah. to know that that can happen again. So when you know, if you can ground that, you know, I will share that so that people can go, okay. So when it happens, at least they can go, all right, okay. I know that, that that is something that's very real and that can happen.
0: Yeah. Well, um, Thea, I really appreciate this. This has been so such an a fun, enlightening conversation. I want to share one quick thing from um from your first first book. Uh, I've got it right here. Running into oh. myself, go get a copy. Um what one of the
1: that's the thing.
0: (laughs) There must be like
1: surprise, you got it.
0: I must have bought some like bootleg version or something on Amazon because I think that happens. But um, or maybe I bought it from from somebody used. But in the in the opening of the book, you you wrote this line that says, Writing helps mirror myself to myself. It provides a container in which the transformative process can unfold, a way to track and trace the soul's meanderings. And um, I just want to say I'm really grateful that you did that, that you took that mirror and you shared it with the world and uh, I appreciate oh, thank that. You. Before we jump off, um, where can people find you? Uh, I know you're on Instagram and Twitter, but what are your handles? Where can they find you?
1: Um, I'm on Twitter. We're not calling it X. <laughs> it,
0: it, it doesn't even cross my mind to call it X. I just call it Twitter.
1: Twitter. We all know like it's Twitter. If you've been on Twitter, it's always going to be Twitter, isn't it? I'm on Twitter at The Europe Um I'm also posting tentatively. I've been double cross-posting to Blue Sky. Um, because it's a part of me that just thinks if it all goes like tits up on Twitter, that, you know, like Twitter's offspring is <laughs> like at the moment, it kind of feels like loose guy at the moment feels like Twitter sort of circa 2009. It's got that same kind of clunky vibe, which is quite fun. but There's not really a lot of people there. And um, I also launched uh, an Instagram uh, theologisms but after I, I launched that, I realized that mm, I don't want to reveal too much because I, real, I I felt that I was with book. So suddenly I launched it with great enthusiasm and thought, oh, not sure I want, how much I want to share now because I can, I start to get quite secretive when I can feel the book is incubating. And although I haven't written it yet, um, probably won't write it for a while, but I can sense when I, I start to eat for two or I start devouring books. It's like the psyche is looking for something and it's looking in all something else. I don't know. Anyway, I'm on theologisms on on Instagram. The book is is not, I had a dream to withdraw the book um from circulation. From the, as I was working with a, a sort of halfway house publisher and I had a dream to get to withdraw it. And I remember thinking and this coincided with the time when I actually started posting on um on Twitter and came out and scrubbed my account and started talking about all things depth and soul. So um that coincided with that, so again, I did it. I don't know how that plays out in the grand scheme of things. What's going on there? But it felt like the right thing to do at that moment. So after I started posting, I noticed that the copies that were floating around of the books disappeared, even off like eBay and stuff. So people must have got them. um But I trust that something is afoot. I just something must what. be afoot so.
0: because I found it really. I found, especially mm-hmm. your fir- your first book, I found it really easily, and so it. maybe it was a synchronicity maybe the universe just put it there for me to go yeah because some people
1: have said that they can't find it that's the thing and i think yes good (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) it will it it will um it will it will be out there when it's you know if you can get it great but i know i'm not that's that's um at the moment i i'm enjoying sharing stuff on on twitter because that's just jumping off points for people like sharing yeah. excerpts and quotes yeah. and books that I'm reading so that hopefully that you know they find inspiration they they'll pick up yeah. whatever it is that I'm I'm sharing over there.
0: Yeah, hopefully we're just adding some some of that um I don't know something helpful to the collective. That's how I see yeah. that's how I see social media. So ho- hopefully that's how it's going. Okay, well thanks again so much. This was a lot of fun. I'm I'm going to ask you back uh in not too not too <laughs> long, uh, especially when the third book comes out. I'm going to ask you back, so Thank you again. And, okay, Josh. Okay, goodbye. Bye, Thanks. everybody. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to the Explorer Poet podcast, exploring the blurry line between our physical world and our abstract realities. I hope you find this and every episode worthwhile. To find links to my guest websites and social media accounts, and for all Explorer Poet content, please visit my website explorerpoet.com. You can also follow on Instagram at explorerpoet or on Twitter at explorerpoetpod. If you have comments or suggestions, please send an email to explorerpoet at gmail.com. Please follow and rate the podcast on your favorite app. And if you really, really want to be supportive, please share an episode with a friend. Thanks again.